0: I know. uh, I I, I know that um, there's one um, limited edition coming out at the end of this year on Frotello. Correct. That's already on my wish list, Uh, but I think that's still confidential. Yeah,
1: not anymore, I guess. another episode of Fertello On Air, the podcast brought to you by members of vertello It's me, Robert Jan from The Hague. Uh, this podcast is a bit different than the previous ones, where Mike Stockton normally takes the word, and he is uh, the MC of the podcast a bit. Today, I will do uh, that for Mike. Uh, we have a special guest. It's Tim Strakke. He's the CEO of Chrono24 the uh, world's largest platform for watches. We uh, go quite far back together, back to 2010. So we're almost celebrating uh, our 10th anniversary that we know each other. Um, Chrono24 also belongs to the same uh, family uh, as, as Fortella Watches. We have a strong relationship. Um, we are partners, basically. And um, in the past, when I founded um, Fortella Watches back in 2004, I sold it to a publishing company in Germany in 2014. And in 2018, um, we basically bought it back with the help of Tim Stracke and Chrono24. So that's our full disclosure on who Fratello is and what our relationship is basically with Chrono24. So today we have Tim Stracke. Hello, Tim.
0: Hey, Ajay. Thanks for having me. So tell me, where are you calling from? Yeah, probably like most people. Um, I'm calling from, uh, my home office, um, which is, uh, uh, a little bit outside of Munich. Um, luckily, uh, we are in a situation having a quite a big garden. So even with three kids, uh, this is right now quite doable. Yes, but still you have to give homeschooling, I guess. Yes, we still have to give homeschooling. Um, uh, yeah, for, f- for future listeners, uh, this is during the Corona times, uh, a very crazy uh, period of uh, our his- history, uh, probably something we all haven't seen before.
1: And we will remember it for a long time.
0: We will, we will.
1: <laughs> Good. So you are the CEO, or better said, the co-CEO of Chrono24.
0: Yeah, uh, so I run Chrono24 together with uh, uh, Holger. Um, Holger joined us Three and a half uh, years ago, uh, almost four years ago, um, and we split the roles that uh, Holger runs uh, uh, more the internal operations of Corona Twenty Four, and I'm more the Mister outside, um, uh, responsible for all external communications and partnerships, business development, um, and I'm also responsible for the for the finances of Corona Twenty Four.
1: Okay, you. You you are not a founder of Chrono24. Uh, I remember our first uh, conversation. I was still working uh, for an investment bank. Uh, you just acquired Chrono24. That was back in 2010. Um, I actually know where I had the conversation with you in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it made an impression. And um, can you tell me a bit about the history of Chrono24, how it started, why you acquired it? and um, where it went from that moment on.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, it's an interesting history. So um, me and my founding partners, uh, Dirk, um, who I've known for a long, long time, and our technical co-founder, Michael, um, we had been working together uh, in marketplace businesses before. Um, I had a quite a failure with my first marketplace venture in 2001. And then I had a second try, um, which was more successful than the first one. Um, We ended up selling it for quite an amount of money. Um, But um, there was a lot of people involved, a lot of uh, investors that we had to bring in, um, a lot of um, capital that we needed to raise in a big uh, merger, So in the end, uh, it wasn't really life-changing for me. It was more car-changing from a financial output outcome. And then I realized that, and I thought to myself, so what's next? And this was around 2008. And uh, I remember spending at that time hours and hours on my sofa searching for watches on a pretty colorful website uh, where you mostly could uh, auction um, or or bid for watches. Um, And I always thought this is not the perfect experience for buying watches. And um, when I decided to leave my previous company, um, I thought that that would be a category that I would really like to work on. Um, And I also thought that maybe I'm not the guy to build and uh, run large companies and and found big companies. Um, And then I decided I want to do something that I truly love Um, that probably remains very small, um, but uh, would also not uh, lose a whole lot of money. Um, I had burnt quite a lot of venture capital in my previous companies. And even the first people that we hired uh, into Chrono24, um, we told them that this is something that will remain very, very small. So we expected something to be um, 15 employees at the max. Um, and when we looked into the category, um, after still spending tons and tons on uh, on eBay, um, we actually found Chrono Twenty Four. And then it was a it was a very long and intensive discussion whether we should compete against Chrono Twenty Four or um, buy out um, the current um, owners. And as you can see on my business card, we decided to buy out the current owners of Chrono Twenty Four. That's how we started.
1: And did you take over any uh, existing personnel or was it, is, has it been a complete fresh start?
0: It was a complete fresh start. So there weren't any people. So it was just run by two guys who ha- uh, had run it uh, as a site and kind of evening business. But it was quite profitable. So um, they they already generated quite some revenue for just not really doing, putting a lot of hours into the business. Uh, and that also made the discussion the decision hard for us because it was a it was quite a relevant seven digit euro um, number that we had to pay um, for what from our point of view was just a website, an interesting brand, um, and quite some traction, but not really um, a company or a business. Yeah. So then we we bought the brand. We bought the website, uh, the cron24.com domain, um, and, uh, and we were actually the ones that really built the company around it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember uh, visiting you, I think it was also 2010, and there were like 10 people, and uh, it was an interesting office, beautiful, like apartment or house. And uh, if I look at Chrono24 today, it's completely changed it's still a very nice company and um, there's a lot of there's a very good atmosphere but
0: it's a a very different building and a lot more people (laughs) a lot more people that is true i also remember our first meeting i think our first meeting was in amsterdam in a hotel room wasn't it
1: this is going to be a very awkward conversation
0: (laughs) (laughs) no not not a hotel room a hotel lobby. (laughs) yeah i
1: think i think we met at krasnopolsky um, in amsterdam if i'm not mistaken
0: yeah, I think so. That's uh, that, that's true, and I I, I very um, vividly remember that meeting. And uh, I was at the very beginning truly impressed from your drive to to do something in the watch industry and, and your super deep knowledge that really impressed us from day one. And I'm very very happy that this turned out into a very long term business friendship.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I think this year we, we will celebrate uh, properly our first dec our first decade, and hopefully more to come.
0: Yeah, let's see. Let's <laughs> see if we have the. Um, I don't know who paid the the coffee uh, in the lobby. We we might find the receipt and. I like, was uh, in
1: banking, so probably
0: you. <laughs> yeah, maybe me. Maybe I can find the receipt, and then we know what the. At what date do we need to um, open the glass of uh, a bottle of champagne?
1: Exactly. Um, anyway, since, nice.
0: since then, I, I, I truly remember that uh, that apartment. And uh, we told our first employees that we will probably stay in that apartment for a long time and remain small. And then only after a few years into that business, we realized how massive the, the market potential is and, and how much more there needs to be done to really make Chrono24 successful. So we, yeah, but it took us a few years until we realized that we won't be able to accomplish our goals with 15 people. And uh, now we are uh, close to 300. Um, wow. And um, yeah, to give you some numbers, we uh, we think that one out of two watch lovers worldwide uses Chrono24.
1: Hey, even uh, my mom uses Chrono24. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's not the only two of you from from the Netherlands that use it. I (laughs) guess, yeah. It's it's quite impressive. So when when I travel and talk to people, it's really impressive how often I hear people um, telling me that they um, are a happy user of Chrono24. A lot of people actually using it uh, for a longer time than I did uh, because, as I told you in the beginning... My first years of uh, collecting watches um, happened on uh, on a pretty colorful auction site. Yeah. Um, and until so, I finally found so, Chrome 24.
1: So, were you a watch guy before, or, or did that start uh, around 2003 or a bit
0: earlier? Or um, I got my first watch when I was 16. Um, and I was truly intrigued by the mechanics it wasn't a great brand it was a it was a swatch um but it has a it had a glass um, floor and and i remember to be deeply impressed um by the mechanics i think it was the red ahead um uh still nice uh for a kid a nice a nice watch um and then i got my first real watch when i was uh 25 ish um i think or 24 when i um graduated from college from my parents so they said uh, hey um we'd like to give you a watch um and at the time um i started to to link in to look into it and then um i think the <laughs> like yeah the 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 tipping point was uh when i asked one of my co-founders of that business who was by the way also a shareholder at Corn 24 today Um, if he could give me any advice. And he said, uh, well, either buy a quartz watch and then you shouldn't pay more than 50 euro uh, or you get a real one. And this, or you get a real one, that really initiated um, a deep interest. And then I started to look into it. Um, And then I spent probably one and a half years until I actually made the first purchase, um, which was a, an IWC um, a Flieger, uh, Flieger world.
1: Okay, cool. And um, so every podcast, we ask uh, each other, so Mike or me or any guest, uh, what's on their wrist. And since a few weeks, we actually use a German phrase for it. And I actually don't know if it's correct or not. But since you are German, perhaps you can give the, the verdict on that. Uh, We call it a, it's a wrist check, but we call it a handgelenkkontrolle. Is that something that you would say in Germany?
0: Probably not. Um, but (laughs) being a regular listener to your podcast, uh, I knew that this was, that this would come. Uh, so this morning, uh, it was quite an easy choice for me. Um, it's a Tuesday, uh, and I'm having a podcast with you. So I think there was no other option than picking uh, my uh, Speedy Tuesday Ultraman.
1: Very cool. And you wear it on the on the leather strap or the NATO or something custom?
0: No, the uh, the NATO. Okay, yeah, it's, very uh, cool. it's, it's the NATO. Okay.
1: I'm wearing uh, my uh, my Speedmaster as well, of course. I have to um, uh, because it's Tuesday, and uh, it's the Moonshine Gold one from last year. And for a change, I put it on a leather strap. And if you want to see how that looks, then go to our Instagram account at Fortello Watches, and um, yeah, give us your verdict, verdict if you like it or not. Um, so that's for the handgelenk controller. Um, We are in a very strange time. It's uh, the time of Corona. People stay at home, and that's not um, the only thing. People are not spending, um, which is a bad thing for a lot of shops. Here in the Netherlands, we see that shops are still open, but mainly by appointment, or they only allow uh, a few people inside. Um, Supermarkets are still open, um, but restaurants and bars are closed. Yesterday evening, uh, I spoke to one of the brand representatives of a Relatively well-known brand, and um, they are not super big. They have one boutique uh, in the Netherlands, and he told me that um, um, business is uh, at full stop for them. It's uh, there's th- th- nothing happens, and he told me that he would really put his money on online today. So I thought, talking to you, Tim, being the online uh, market, market platform for watches. Um, and I just also read an interview with you in, uh, in, uh, in, in watch pro, uh, where you are being called the Oracle as Corona 24 is a, is a big data company basically. And, um, so, you know, a lot about watches. You measure a lot, you measure your traffic, you measure it uh, and monitor transactions. What's your view on today's market? Is there still any transaction being done online on watches?
0: I mean, first of all, um, I think watches shouldn't be the first thing that comes to your mind uh, when you look at a crisis like we're having today. Um, and even I, um, the first days of the crisis, uh, did not care of my watch collection. Um, and I, I even think that most people first care for their loved ones, for their family, uh, and, and it's good the way it is. Uh, and then probably they even have a look have a look first at their stock portfolio, um, which was also in a free fall during the last few weeks. And, and then they might come back to think about watches. Um, looking at our data, um, it is really interesting to see that in regions where Corona really hit, there was quite a sharp decline in traffic. So we, we usually saw something like minus 15 to minus 20% within the first um, 15 to 20 within the first five to seven days. Yeah. But interestingly, we also saw quite a quick recovery um, in most countries. Like when we look at Italy or Spain, um, that the usage um, usually recovers quite fast. Yeah. And yeah. In, um, so on Tron24, we, um, we look at a lot of different data. But to keep things very simple here, I mean, we have visits, of so people visiting the app or the website Then we we look at people making a purchase request, so trying to buy a watch. Um, And then uh, once the seller confirms that the watch is available, that it can be shipped, um, then the watch is being um, shipped and converts into a sale and into into revenue here. Um, And interestingly, uh, traffic is recovering then after 10, 12 days. When we look at the purchase requests generated on Corona24, the total value of purchase requests had an all-time high last week. Wow. So in the midst of uh, of one of the biggest crises since World War II worldwide, um, we are seeing the largest numbers um, of purchases um, that we have seen in our 10-year history or even um, 17-year history if we include the time before we actually came on board um, When we look at sales, um, sales is still a little bit down um, compared to pre-corona. So we are now at a a November 2019 level. Um, Our take on this is that there are probably a lot of people trying to buy, um, but maybe there are some uh, restrictions in deliveries so that not Mm -hmm. all watches can be delivered right now. And we also expect that there are probably quite a lot of people out there that are uh, trying to make a steal right now and, tr- and think that they can now finally have a chance to get a hand on one of the unicorn watches that are almost impossible to buy in a store in the last few years. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, spoiler alert, uh, it's not. Prices are still where, where they were a few weeks ago. So we haven't seen a decline in prices uh, in the last few weeks. Um, but um, there's also usually... a five to eight day delay between the purchase request and then the actual sale happening so we expect that our sales um, might also very quickly reach a pre-corona level um, or even uh, reach a new all-time high
1: yeah yeah if i look at the uh, the numbers for the netherlands and I, i i have to admit that i um I'm sticking a bit to the numbers of the Netherlands to 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 see how the situation goes with Corona, and I see the the numbers are hopeful. Um, still new cases, but it's flattening. Um, still casualties, but that's flattening as well. And I guess the people who who die from this uh, this uh, this virus, they were already sick a few weeks ago before our government. Um, yeah call for the measurements that we uh, that we took like uh, staying at home don't go to the office don't go shopping don't go outside don't go to the beach uh, and so on um we saw the same at fortello we saw a little dip in traffic uh, we have a lot of traffic from the US and and Italy for example um so yeah we we did see a, a dip there but i also have to say uh, perhaps like corona 24 uh, after a few like a week or or a week and a half we saw uh, traffic recovering um, and I also, when I speak for myself, I also have to admit that when things really went wrong, um, and it was in the news all day, that it was also the thing that I read all day and in the evening and in the morning. And my 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 mind was also not set on uh, on yeah reading uh, watch news and and, and looking at uh, all the watch websites that I that I normally start my day with. So I can yeah uh, I can relate to, to that very well. I'm also happy because we are, uh, you and me, uh, both in the watch industry. So I'm also happy that it is recovering a bit. I'm just wondering if things are going the wrong way for the U.S. because the numbers are still uh, very depressing there. Do you think that will have an impact on your uh, sales numbers as well? Do you have a lot of transactions from and to the U.S.?
0: Yes, I mean, Chrono24 is a very, very global business. Um, we have sellers from more than a hundred countries. Um, and uh, when you, when you look at the pie chart, um, that splits the demand, uh, in different countries, it is a very colorful chart. Uh, and uh, even our strongest countries, which are Germany, Italy, the US, just account for um around ten percent of demand each, um, and the rest is split quite along the um the overall market volume uh, worldwide um so we we have a lot of data and probably also significant and reliable data on most countries um and it's true that also in the u s and and we follow the situation very closely um uh, the, the numbers went down. But even in the US, we are now seeing a recovery. Um, the um, initiated transactions on Chrono24 are very close to reaching an all-time high in the US yeah. as well. I think it's the, the f- second highest week ever that we had last week uh, in the US. It was only... Uh, topped by one week before the holiday season in 2019 um and sales are still a little bit down because um it takes a while until the watches are being shipped and as i said before we also expect especially watches being sent from europe to the us there might be some delivery issues Um, but i also have to say that uh, the people that I talked to in the U S and I had a few video calls last week and the week before with people in the U S um, there's a quite a depressive atmosphere, um, especially when you talk to people in New York. Um, I, um, I had one call with one person um, who said, uh, I always wanted to buy a Patek Philippe and I just got a call from my dealer um, and who had a very interesting offer. But um I just didn't feel it's right uh, to buy a Patek right now. And this was just for moral reasons. And I fully understand that that people now, first of all, need to weather the crisis. And once we are all at the other side um, and having survived the crisis, I think then uh, it'll be a new situation. We, from a purely economic point of view, um, are... Not so worried about the crisis, um, the medical part of the crisis. I think it's a much more relevant question. So what happens afterwards? Um, What happens to the economy? What happens um, to the five trillion U.S. dollars that are now being pushed into the markets um, will they end up um, in watches? Um, will they end up in real estate? Um, will they just be used to protect um, jobs? Um, will there be an inflation? And I think there will be a lot of economic uncertainty um, after the crisis. And I think nobody really knows today what this means. We, we think that um, there will be quite some uncertainty uh, about the stability of, uh, of money and that a lot of people would probably prefer to have um, real assets uh, than just cash. I mean, I have to admit, I'd rather, I'd be very happy if I had my money um, in, in Rolexes and Patek Philips um, and not in stocks when I looked into my portfolio three weeks ago.
1: Uh, do you see actually an increase in membership of or or watches being listed for sale on Chrono Twenty Four? Do you see that people do the opposite of what you just said—that they want to have cash and uh, rather than their watches and um, uh, put their watches for sale, or is it the same as always? Is there no no increase to 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 detect?
0: It's that's that is quite stable that number. Um, we think there are two effects. There are probably some people. Who, um, who decide that they want to offer uh, a little bit more watches to turn them into liquidity. But we also expect or think that some dealers might have some challenges um, to get enough supply um, due to the um, current situation. So in the end, the number of listed watches is quite stable. What yeah. we do see that... Uh, people that our sellers are more um, experimenting with prices so we see that um, some dealers are increasing the watch prices right now a lot more than we did pre-corona but we also see uh, a lot of dealers that are decreasing the prices of their current offers compared to uh, pre-corona so that you
1: say that they increase the prices on the, on the, on the ones that are hard to get anyway, like Daytona's Nautilus and so on, and decreasing the prices on the watches that, that are not so sought after, or is that no,
0: that's an interesting question. I don't have, I haven't looked at that, at that yet. Um, so my current take on that is that, um, in, um, in, um, similar to a stock market in, uh, in uncertain times, there's much more um, uh, variation in prices. So um, stock prices go faster up and down in, uh, in these kinds of uh, prices. Uh, there is even an index um, that um, shows the variability of stock prices. And we think that's the same here. Um, some people think, well, um, n- now let's... Uh, Let's increase the prices uh, because now are probably even a lot more people who are looking for real assets and uh, and expecting the instability of money. And other people might say, whoa, uh, this is now an uncertain time. Let's try to sell my watches as, uh, as fast as possible. Um, in the end, um, I think it's still on a pretty stable level. But I have to look into that, uh, how this translates to one of 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 the very specific unicorn watches how to get ones
1: yeah yeah i can imagine if people are becoming uncertain about their job or even worse losing their job over the coronavirus they want to have cash and need to get rid of their collection um and then list them on corner 24 for example or offer them to your to your dealers um one of the questions that we get a lot—it's a—it's different from Corona. So um, um, I think we covered that a bit, and it, for us, I think it's very difficult to, to, to yeah, to to look at it uh, because we don't have a, a crystal ball, so we don't know where it's going. Um, but it w- will definitely be an interesting time ahead of us, uh, for for good or for bad. That said, we get emails and uh, direct messages and so on and and phone calls on almost a daily basis, all of us, from people asking about watches that they see for sale on Chrono24. And I think one of the most heard questions is, is this a legit watch? Um, I could basically spend all my day helping people to to find out or to give them advice. Um, but how do people know that they are buying a watch that's all legit, it's all authentic, it's all original. When they purchase a watch from Krona 24,
0: I mean, what we do is, um, we um, first of all, we authenticate every single dealer before we let them on the platform. Um, and we have 3000 close to 3500 dealers on the platform. Um, it's um, and we have a lot of experience to see how um, like, is a dealer just new in the market or has he been in the market for a few years? And we do a lot of research. We also ask dealers if they, especially if they're new to the market that they need to bring a recommendation from some other dealers. Um, so we try our best to make sure that only the trusted ones um, are being led on the platform. Once a transaction is taking place, the purchaser does not wire the money to the dealer Um, They wire the money to us. so um, And and the money is put in an escrow account. And even that is not in our hands. So we work with a fully licensed banking partner that takes the money as an escrow agent. Uh, And then the watch is being shipped to the buyer. And only if the buyer gives uh, his or her final approval, the money is being um, uh, sent, released. Yeah to the original seller. Um, so this is your and there, and buyer is, protection. And there, yeah, this is a buyer protection and there is a there is a no questions asked uh, return policy so you can you can always uh, without any reason without giving any reason return the watch to the to the seller and then you get your money back. Luckily this usually does not happen. It's a very small single digit percentage of watches that are being returned. Um, probably just something like Four um, percent, and the vast majority of the watches being returned is because they were not described properly by the by the seller. Um, otherwise, it's uh, it's I think without any reason. I think the number is below one percent.
1: Okay, so you have around three thousand dealers on your platform. Um, when I look at it today, there are more than four hundred and eighty thousand watches being offered on Chrono Twenty Four. That's a huge amount. Um, what I also see, it's not only dealers, it's also private sellers. So I, as a private collector, I can put my watch for sale on Chrono24. So how does that relate to the number of, of uh, dealers on your website? And if I'm a private seller, can I also offer the buyer protection to um, a buyer on Chrono24? Or is that only for dealers?
0: We have around twenty to thirty thousand private sellers at any given time on the platform, um, and also for private sellers, um, you are open to use the escrow service and pay um, and, and pay uh, through the escrow payment. The one thing we cannot do is we cannot um, um, vet the history of every single private seller. Um, of course, they need to um, identify themselves. Um, but we we cannot do an in depth check on every single private seller. Um, but again, the money is only being released to the private seller once the watch is in your hands and you're happy with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, on corner twenty four, we see two basically two types of watches. We see new watches and pre owned watches. Can you say what uh, the ratio is between the two? Is is it more new or more pre owned?
0: It's when you look at the when we look at the transaction volume and when we look at um, value terms. Uh, it's about two thirds of the transaction value is pre-owned. Okay. I mean, the question whether watches pre-owned um, and and as new or new is sometimes also a little bit of a philosophical question. Um, th- there are sometimes watches that are a few years old but unworn, um, so you you could consider them new or as new, but you also could consider them as pre-owned. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: But I would say that um, it's very fair to say that two-thirds of the transaction volume is pre-owned.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of new watches are offered by dealers who are not authorized dealers, but are um, so-called gray market dealers. Um, Do you also have uh, authorized dealers on board or brands on board with Chrono24?
0: we we used to work um we, we used to have an offering um with with brands um where they could um sell directly through cono 24 but i have to be very open that that posts some challenges um because uh users could just click um and buy directly from the brand and then they would find the very same watch just one click away on the very same platform at a much lower price or if, uh, if there were watches that are, that were hard to get, then, uh, brands opted to not offer them, um, on the so-called brand boutique in Crown 24, um, at all. But you could then buy them, uh, on the marketplace at maybe, um, a higher price than retail. So that, um, uh, posed some challenges that we in the end decided to discontinue, um, that model to directly sell, um, watches, um, with, um, and, partnerships with the brands. Um, and I think it's something that is much better suited, um, on Fratello like we've seen the first one, uh, a few months ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, what we also see is that, um, um, Brands are offering their watches themselves online. So a number of brands are uh, opening their own e-boutiques, basically. Um, but it's 2020 and still the majority, uh, wants you to go through a boutique or a, or a dealer, a physical store. Um, how do you see, uh, the watch, the watch brands, um, in the coming years, do you do you think that they will wake up and start being more online or focus more online? Uh, do you do you think um, it has matured already since a few years? Or is it just the beginning? How do you see watch brands opening up to doing online business?
0: I mean, first of all, we all have to acknowledge that it's uh, much easier to sell books or any traditional goods online than watches. And I'm not referring here to the logistical challenges of um, delivering a super expensive piece to your home. Um, I think the, the watch, the core value of a watch is the scarcity and that it's not that easy to get. And if you can just get it with a click, um, I think it's um, it's um, it's not really the value that the brands want to provide. Um, I mean, they also they always most of the brands play with a few models that are really hard to get, and a few that are a little bit easier to get. Um, and then there's this little maybe even a game they play that you have to wait and. Uh, you sometimes really feel lucky if you have the chance to get one of these pieces, um, and if it's just a click online, that, that's probably not the experience that they want to um, that they want to provide. Um, I think they 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 still have quite some homework to do, and I think they have to translate that um, that kind of desirability of watches into their online business, and I think they also have to provide a lot more value than just delivering the watch to your uh, doorsteps. Uh, I mean, when they sell a watch online, we all know that the margins of these businesses are massive. We all know that production costs are quite low, and if they cut out the middleman, so if they cut out the dealer, they really make a lot of margin. And I think they need to um, come up with ideas what they can do um with um with that additional profit that they generate, they could um, create communities, they c- could create clubs, they um, they could have uh, very personalized services to to bring the watch to your home. Um, and they I think they could also build processes how they um, distribute the watch and who gets it and who gets it not. Um, For example, you could also um, build communities um, and uh, people who have been um, active in that community for a long time, who have been on waiting lists, who have purchased certain watches before, who have um, earned a certain status, would then be the ones that be allowed to buy certain watches. Yeah. And not just being the best friend of some kind of authorized dealer, which today is probably... One of the best way um, to get access to one of these pieces. Yeah, and there I really miss some innovation. I really have to say that that there's. Uh, uh, I think it's not easy, but I think they they should come up with a lot more ideas.
1: So, in your in your opinion, what's the prime example of a brand that does it well today? Hmm.
0: That's an interesting question. Um,
1: could be a small brand like a micro brand or a, a big brand. Um, but is there a brand that you say, okay, they, they do a nice job. They under, understand how it works and they are um, innovative and um, perhaps not perfect, but at least making a few steps in the right direction.
0: I think it's um, – there are different ideas. I, I, I think I'm – i there's not really a single brand that comes to my mind, but there are different ideas um, that I really like. Uh, it's a little bit of a different topic, but um, I really, for example, like the idea um, and the strategic move from, uh, from Richemont um, to go um, and uh, acquire Watchfinder. I think in the, in the recent years, Richemont has done a lot of things um, quite right, um, which I openly uh, didn't really it's not the view that I had five years ago uh, when they flushed the industry with too many gray offers um, obviously the, the three big uh, family run businesses um, creating this super ultra desirability um, of certain models is something they did super super well I mean imagine what value these brands created just by not making their watches so easy to get and when, when we look at our data and when we look at price developments um, what we see from Rolex Patek and AP is really unseen uh, from, uh, from other brands. Yeah the in, in terms of e-commerce and selling online um, I have to admit there's not a big um, big role model that we currently see. Um, I like the strategy of AP to, um, to focus on their own sales um, and even going away from standard um, retail stores, but rather going in a strategy where they open AP lounges, AP houses, and um, creating... Um, very interesting events when they hand over certain watches. Um, I think overall the strategy of AP is currently the one that I would uh, that I admire the most.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, if uh, I look, uh, if I if I hear you and uh, listening to you to your answers um, and uh, looking at uh, uh, the Watch Pro. Cover uh, that you are the oracle, and you're <laughs> you're sitting on a lot of data. Basically, um, what are you going to do with that data? Is that a new business model? Is that something you want to present to the watch industry? Do you want to become the go-to place for them if they have questions about uh, cost- uh, consumer behavior? Um, tell me what's going on with, with the data that you that you have, and what type of data do you all collect?
0: I mean, first of all, I mean, given the fact that we are here working with a, a lot of high net worth individuals, uh, rich people um, around the world, um, we never sell any personal data, never. And I think this is, this is first of all, uh, the, the, the key principle that we're not a company that sells data, um, but we do collect a lot of data, like, any authorized dealer on a very small scale, we do it on a large scale. I mean, an authorized dealer knows his customers, some of his customers quite well. We probably know most of our customers much, much, much better. We, um, interestingly, I mean, we all know that buying something online is often just a click and buy, but buying a watch, be it online or be it offline, is often a 6, 9, 12 months experience. I remember my first watches that I bought um, took me 12, 15 months uh, to think and to talk to people, to search online, to go to forums, to go to certain websites. And people do that in Chrono 24 as well. So the average person probably visits us 30 to 40 times before placing a purchase And that's a lot of information um, that we have. And we can use that information to make better suggestions uh, to help people um, find the right watch and make the right purchase. And we also have a feature on Chrono24 where you can uh, just use your iPhone and or your your Android app um, and take a picture of your watch. And the app recognizes the watch and puts it into a a virtual and personal watch collection you can by the way also do it without a a smartphone and directly on on our website but it's the easiest way and it's a quite impressive feature to do that um, with a a smartphone Um, and then you can collect um, your uh, your collection and uh, look at the value uh, day by day and so we also know what people have at home what, what the current collection is that people have this might be completely anonymous. I mean, people don't even need to give us their real names. Um, and then we can, um, knowing what people are searching for, and knowing what people have, uh, we can use that data in the future to help them trade, to help them buy, to help them sell and, and make a smart purchase and, and, and selling, uh, uh decisions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used the app myself as well of course like like uh, I think hundreds of thousands of people um, I also filled the um, the watch collection part in the app I think that's what you're talking about where you can add your watches um, you can add the price that you uh, purchased it for and you can see today's value of the watch and that that value that it that it shows um, is that based on the offers or is that based on uh actual transactions of that watch and how far does it look back?
0: We look at all kinds of data um, and the um, interestingly, the difference between transactions and offers is not that big anymore. I think the average discount that we see um, from uh, a watch being listed and a watch being purchased is uh, around 1%.
1: So that's the discount given on a watch as being offered on Chrono Twenty Four. That has nothing to do with the retail price, for example. Yes,
0: this is nothing to do with the retail price. It's the yeah. the difference between uh, the price being offered and the price being paid. So what you can say um, from this is so what what we see is that prices on Chrono Twenty Four are very efficient. It's a very efficient market, um, and a lot of people still think that, uh, hey, uh, uh, watches have huge margins, um, I can make a low-ball offer 25% below asking price on Corona 24. Um, that's not possible anymore. I mean, the in most cases, even myself, I mean, I know a lot of dealers very well uh, usually pay the asking price what we see on the marketplace because dealers have very efficient prices um, because of Corona 24 probably, Uh, and and make very good price um, suggestions. Um, So um, we we do take all kinds of data um, uh, in our um, uh, estimation of the actual value. Um, We go back as much as we can, as far as we can uh, go back for a certain model. It is sometimes pretty challenging because uh, some uh, watch brands have the tendency to use their reference ID again uh, so a reference ID is not always super unique to a certain watch. Which, um, That's yeah. the
1: reference ID on Chrono24, the, li- the, the ID of the listing, basically.
0: The reference ID of the watch, um, oh, the refer- okay. of, not, not, not yeah. of the listing. Um, and you would assume, um, since a lot of brands even use eight, 10-digit numbers uh, for their ref IDs, You would assume uh, that these numbers are unique, uh, but uh, the watch industry, unfortunately, does not always uh, use unique numbers. So they might use something again. Uh, And then that makes it sometimes hard for us um, to determine uh, the exact value on a certain watch. But we have a big data science team. These guys make an excellent job here. And the the data is quite accurate, and you also see um, a bandwidth of uh, plus and minus how the the numbers could deviate from the average. And this also depends on the number of data points that we have. If we have more data points, um, we we can make a better estimate than for a watch where we have less data points.
1: Yeah. So what what can we as as Consumers basically um, uh, expect from chrono 24 in the future. Will there any be any new features? Will there be more, even more buyer buyer protection? What kind of new features, or perhaps you have new services in mind? Um, can you can you offer uh, customers in the future if you can disclose that um, already?
0: There's a, there's a lot in our pipeline uh, that will come. Um, we, uh, we are working a lot on, on the customer experience right now. Um, we, um, we, will, we will probably... Um, I mean, our ultimate goal is that we want to create um, a much better experience than buying offline. In certain cases, you probably already have a much better purchase experience um, on Cron24 than you have um, if you go the, to an offline store. Um, but this is something oh, where we still have a lot of opportunity, opportunities. For example, um, as of today, we do not support the um, the delivery and the logistical part of the transaction. This is something we'll probably do. Um, uh, we are um, thinking about even more measures to um, inspect the watch and, uh, and protect the purchase, um, even though – you today have the ultimate protection um, through the Asper uh, service where the money is hold until the watch is in your hand. But in case you want to have a physical inspection from, from somebody, from a third party, this is something we're looking into. So there's a lot. Um, we have a, a team of uh, close to 40 um, or 35 uh, full-time developers working day and night to improve the, um, the offering that we're seeing on, on, on Chrono 24. Okay. Stay tuned uh, and uh, you'll see, you'll see it. In the, very good. Uh, the last, but not, uh,
1: <laughs> last but not least, I don't think we, uh, uh, you mentioned it, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm always very impressed by the numbers of Chrono 24, how many people visit Chrono 24 and how many page views you have. Can you, can you share them uh, with our listeners?
0: Yeah, as I said in the beginning, we have about we, we think that uh, one out of two watch lovers worldwide uh, uses Chrono Twenty Four, so we have around nine to ten million unique users on our platform every month.
1: Yeah,
0: it's probably something like twenty, close to twenty thousand sessions on our apps and our on our platform. The transaction volume was last year around one point five billion euro, and we're expecting. A 20% growth in our transaction volume. This might come out a little bit different now um, due to the corona situation and the economic uncertainty that, that we're seeing here. So this is a few 10,000 transactions per month being generated through Corona24. Um, average price is probably something around 7,000 euro, um, but we also do super expensive watches. A few months ago, we had a 800,000 um, uh, US dollar um, Richard Mille being sold from uh, the U.S. to Japan. Um, and that went through your escrow service? Yes. So you got a call from the bank. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it was actually not that easy um, because of all kinds of compliance uh, regulations from banks. So this transaction actually did take a little bit of some, uh, supervision from our team. Yeah. But it worked very well. Um, and I think yeah. buyer and, and seller are very happy with that transaction. Cool. The um, average price of seven thousand euro uh,
1: per watch that you that it has been sold on Chrono Twenty Four that's that's quite high. Um, is that a number that has has increased over the
0: last years, or is it always relatively stable? First of all, this is the average, and the average is mm-hmm. driven by some super expensive watches. Um, when we look at the median price, that's a little bit lower. To be very open. Uh, And yes, it has slightly increased over time, um, but not a lot. Uh, My personal feeling is that the increase is in line with the general increase um, of a lot of um, models that we see. Um, I mean, especially these unicorn watches have increased by 60, 70, 80% in price. And I think that also drove our average price high. the, um, yeah, it's, it's a small increase, um, probably in line with the entire watch industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, because you have so many visitors and people um, searching for watches, can you also predict what people are going to buy?
0: Um, yeah, <laughs> we actually tested that a couple times internally, um, and it's really impressive um, how well these predictions work. Um, and um, it's sometimes creepy that it feels like Chrono Twenty Four knows uh, before yourself uh, what purchase you're uh, gonna make, but ultimately it's still your uh, your decision. But looking at how many um, seconds you spend on each um, on each watch is just gives a lot of data, and is in the end a strong indicator what you actually might really. Want to buy.
1: But it's not a bad thing, right? I mean, Netflix proposes to me series, for example, that I might want to see based on what I have been watching. So I can imagine for products, it's also something relevant.
0: Fully agree. Um, it's probably also a little bit of a cultural thing that in certain um, regions and cultural settings, uh, the data privacy, which is one of a very, very high value for us as well, uh is uh, is more important and, and and some people just feel um just just want to have the full independence and not constantly getting uh, great suggestions me personally i also like it a lot i like it on netflix i like it on crown 24 and i like it on amazon when yeah. uh, when it tells me um what would be a good fit to my um uh, purchase behavior. Other people uh, might feel a little bit intimidated, uh, but I think that's also a little bit of a generational thing. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah. The, the data um, helps us a lot to make uh, really, really good estimates here and, and
1: uh, yeah. projections. Cool. So I, I hope we will see some more of that in the future. And perhaps the people with aluminum hats on, they can switch it off uh, this functionality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I would, uh, I would like to see it because in the end, I will still make my own decision. But If I'm uh, debating with myself for a long time about, let's say, two or three watches and Chrono24 says, well, cut the crap, you are going to buy this watch, then that could
0: help. (laughs) True. On the other hand, we also think that um, if Chrono24 would have some magic um, uh, AI where you could just go on the website and it would tell you in the first second, this is the watch you need and you could just click and get it delivered, I think that would take a lot of the fun away. Um, yeah. Hunting for the watch is a very important part of the purchase um, experience and the shopping yeah, experience. It, it,
1: it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think that's also where we as for telecom come into play, that people really read about the watches and investigate and uh, search for articles about the specific watches that they are looking for. And um, I think the whole, whole it's a journey. And in the end, you'll end up with a watch, and for some, the fun ends there. And you will see that they really will relist the watch on Chrono Twenty Four, for example. Um, but yeah, for me, that's definitely uh, one of the most fun parts to to research a watch and to see what I want and uh, what I want exactly. And um, yeah,
0: exactly. And and this is also um, uh, when we describe our typical customer um the hunting part of it is a very important part um, and i think uh, we do not want to take that away um it it shouldn't be too easy to get your watch if it's too easy it just doesn't feel valuable so it's i think it's okay um to um to give our users um a lot of options and also some time to search for it it's also interesting that when you for example these uh, this this current uh, some people call them unicorn watches, like uh, Rolex Daytona and steel, the black dial. Um, it's really hard to get. And sometimes I talk to people um, who are super, super rich. And for them, it just doesn't really matter if they pay um, the retail price or um, the current price on Chrono 24. And I just tell them, hey, you can just get it on Chrono and 24. And they say, no, that's too easy. That's too easy. I, I I want to get it in a store, I want to hunt for it. And then I want to be proud that I somehow uh, got my hands on it and not just paid a price.
1: Yeah, I think that's also what drives a lot of people who are into vintage watches because they feel it's too easy to just purchase a new Rolex or Speedmaster or Nautilus. or Well, Nautilus, not really, but one of these watches from a from a boutique or a retailer and they like the hunt. They want to search for that perfect vintage piece with a specific patina or specific handset or specific uh, bracelet um, or a full set from from 40 years or 50 years ago. Um so i can fully uh, can can fully understand that yeah
0: and um, even, and even buying new uh sometimes is kind of a hunt i try try to get a nautilus uh in a store yeah <laughs> that's that's really a hunt i mean i I know people who really uh talk to a lot of other people and and try to get educated how you need to behave to be treated as a relevant customer so that they actually even just show you the catalog or offer you a coffee. For example, <laughs> well, you if you're spe- if, you, if you're too friendly uh, and and go to in a store as a as a customer, they always they might even smell that you're anyway not really want to buy one um, and uh, so you just want a catalog. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and uh, and uh, you might want to have it because you know that you make twenty thirty thousand uh, euro just by leaving the store. Yeah. Um, but you need to be a real lover, and I think it's also important that these watches are handed to people who really deserve them and not just flippers. Yeah. Um, I know that there are a lot of flippers on our on our side, but we, we truly prefer the, these people who really want the watch.
1: yeah, there are some uh, there's a car brand. I'm not sure if it's Bugatti, but there's a car brand that only allows you to order one of their cars if you already have one. In the end, that will become very difficult, of course, because you need to start somewhere. Um, But yeah, do do you think that watch brands will go that way as well? I know there are some rumors, perhaps it's true, I don't know, that you can only be on the wait list for Nautilus if you already have a Patek Philippe.
0: Um, I think they already um, make their decisions um, who gets it or not. And um, they have certain personas where they think they are they feel like a better customer to us. And uh, I remember a meeting with, with one of the top family driven brands and, and they really told me that they would have certain people rather as a customer than others. I, I don't want to quote yeah. them because <laughs> it's always uh, for sure, not, not easy to exclude certain um, people um, as a customer. Um but I think this is also the way how they should run their e-commerce business, not just uh, who makes the first click. Um, I mean, the, the market generally, generally um, decides by price, and this is something that the industry does not want. They do not want to auction off their their nautilus. They want to keep them unique, and then they need to find other ways. And um, I think if I was in Patek's shoes... Um, only putting people on the waiting list to already have one, I think, is certainly one criteria that I would look at. Uh, probably not the only one, but I think it, it, it truly makes sense because that really shows there is a deep interest in Patek. And yeah. I would assume that a lot of people um, who are interested in, in the Nautilus just think, hey, it's, it's a good value and I can buy it cheap and I can sell it the next day for twice the price. Yeah. I, I would try not to give them to these people.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I remember when we did uh, the Speedy Tuesday uh, thing, for example, the Speedy Tuesday watch, uh, both the first one and the second one, that uh, you saw a lot of people that uh, that uh, registered uh, like six times for one, and uh, just to make a profit, and it was very difficult to to clean that up and to um, yeah to make sure because you want to you want that these watches end up with the right people. You want to. Have that you want to see that uh, that people that buy these watches are really enthusiastic about the watch, and not about the profit they can make. So I can fully understand as well this this, this situation. Um, it is also a bit dif- difficult because if you if the only watch you really care for is that Nautilus, you don't want to find yourself ending up with a, a few Calatravas um, before they allow you to sell or uh, to buy the Nautilus. And perhaps that's where Chrono Twenty Four comes in place instead of buying a handful of calatravas you can go right at it buy that nautilus but then you do have to to uh, to pay the markup basically
0: which is the same as buying a calatrava first perhaps (laughs) i don't know i don't know Um, i don't know how the value is but yeah yeah, i i see that and um it's um I, i remember when the the speedy tuesday came out and i also i mean of course being the owner of one of the owners of Chrono 24 i always like when watches are coming on our site but i thought um, i mean first of all it was only very few pieces of the ultraman that came on Chrono 24 when it came out um, i don't know how many we see today uh, it's not a big number but still i think then these people should they don't deserve it they should not have gotten it in the first place yeah yeah exactly
1: yeah, it's about uh, 40, I think, or something. That, uh, well, it's not too bad of the 2012 pieces. Um, but yeah, it, it works like that, I guess. Um, one final question for you, Tim. Um, what will be your next watch? I'm not talking about, uh, what Chrono 24 predicts for you, <laughs> but what you are really after that you want
0: yeah i bought a lot of watches in the last 12 months um i bought a royal oak uh, that i really like uh that i probably would have worn today um if it wasn't uh a tuesday and yeah, good uh to know. <laughs> and another thing is i left it in the office uh for some photography uh, and then all of a sudden the home office uh regulation came <laughs> so it's so actually, you, you actually you hope st- it's still there yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think my assistant is already a little bit annoyed because I, I, I think I already asked her twice. <laughs> She's wearing it. I tell you, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, and I also have a. I just bought a. This is also now half a year or a year ago. Um, a memo um, international. It's pretty, yeah. pretty nice one. I, I do a lot of international calls, and um, I. Um, it happens again and again that I just get confused with the time zones so i like the that i can see the time zones um on that watch um yeah i do not have uh, a grail watch right now that i'm deeply um looking into um
1: that's a ease of mind that's yeah. good
0: <laughs> i know uh I, I i know that um there's one um Limited edition coming out at the end of this year on Fratello. um Correct. That's already on my wish list, uh, but I Good. think that's still uh, confidential. That's a bit a, <laughs> th- yeah,
1: not anymore, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's true. You you gave it away a bit, but we will have a very nice uh, limited edition on on Frotello later this year, and um, I'm very much looking forward to that as well. Um, I put in my 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 own private order uh, as well for it, and. Uh, I really, really love it. So I'm looking forward to see when that is coming out. I'm also happy that you're buying one from us.
0: I definitely will. It's a beautiful one. It's and, and it's very it's not so standard. Um it's really something that you don't see uh uh often and that's kind of I'd even hour. say it's a bit
1: daring. <laughs> so let's see. Good. Well, it was good talking to you, Tim. Perhaps you can uh, um, visit or be a guest on our podcast in the future once more when the situation changes or when this situation continues, actually. It might be interesting to look at some uh, yeah, some, some data or feedback from your side um, uh, on the world of watches. Um, so, that, yeah, that would be nice if you're willing to do that.
0: Happy to come back. I think it'll be a very different situation in three months. It's very hard to predict right now. Um, There will be uh, uh, an interesting post-corona time uh, when we discuss a a more economic uh, uncertainty and not a medical situation. So happy to come back.
1: Great. Okay, great talking to you. Have a nice day. And um, yeah, hopefully talk to you soon again.
0: Same here. Thanks for having me and um, hope to meet you soon. Thanks. Right, thank so, you. if you
1: want to send us a message uh, based on this uh, podcast, or you have questions for us, please reach out to info@fortellowatches.com or send us a direct message on Instagram. That's at Fortello Watches. Bye bye.